Hey, podcast listeners. We have a real treat for you as Christina Murillo whispers along with us on her ideas of evangelism, advocacy, and all those job titles that allow you to speak as a geek. Since Amy isn't here to disagree with me, I'm going to say that that job is around for a while to come. And if you're after a passionate community contributor with strength in the information security realm, I recommend tweeting at Divine Techie Girl. Now to the show. Welcome back to another episode of The Geek Whispers. This is Matt Brender. And I'm Amy Lewis. And I'm John Mark Troyer. And we are back to what feels like home to us. We want to explore community (laughs) and job titles and, you know, the reoccurring conversation about what in the world a tech evangelist does. Uh, Today, we have a very special guest who will explore that. She she fell for the rule of if you tweet at the Geek Whispers, you very likely will become a guest. Uh, Christina, (laughs) could you introduce yourself to everyone? Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Christina Murillo, and I work in the IT security field, and I'm from New York City, born and raised, also known as Divine Techie Girl on Twitter. Awesome. Well, and we're so happy to have you tonight. So this this happens, as uh, a few of you know um, from following the Twitters, you tweet at Amy Lewis or the Geek Whispers, which is, you know, <laughs> Amy Lewis and me tag teaming it. Uh, and lo and behold, we need to explore a topic online and together uh, through this podcast. And we're back to it. Like, what is a tech evangelist and why is it so interesting? Why, despite talking about its death, we keep seeing it pop up in more and more companies and in more and more different forms. So, Christina, let's get right to it. What do you think the role is to be a technical evangelist? So from my perspective, I think the role is really someone who has been in the tech industry for many years. So um, I would say maybe like over 10, 15 years who understands, you know, the lingo um, is still learning new technologies and is also like passionate about the company's purpose. So if they're a tech evangelist for, you know, XYZ Corporation. They're passionate about pushing that company's agenda, purpose, um, while also, you know, understanding and learning and growing along with the technology, if that makes any sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really like that definition. And I like that you put a little bit of, um, in your mind, from your perspective, that you put a little bit of a time bound on it, that for, for you, this role has some gravitas that somebody can't just fall into the industry and be an evangelist the next day. Oh, are you right. saying like there isn't a, a junior developer evangelist role floating around for people? <laughs> <laughs> well, there might be, but uh, definitely the, the junior. Brinder just got his license, so he's a little confused. <laughs> Get out of here. I hit my 30s. I'm legit. I'm no longer a millennial, aren't I? Well, hey, so Christina, what your title actually isn't evangelist as far as I understand it. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do in your day job? Sure. Um, so my day job, I actually I started working at Morgan Stanley about six months ago, and um, I'm part of the access management team. So my official title is vice president of technology and information risk. Um, as you know, in the finance industry, everyone is a vice president. <laughs> so that's like 90% of us. But um, yeah, so what I do is I'm pretty much kind of like a mix between a business analyst 
and everything else within the identity and access management space. So that's my specialty, which falls under security pretty much. Right. And then in your non-day job? In my non-day job, I am a mom, of course, um, and um, because things can't be simple. I have three children, and I'm also a co-founder of Women of Color in Tech Chat, which is um, a community of uh, women and non-binary folks in technology. And I'm also community manager for Code Newbies, which is another community of people learning to code, which was founded by uh, a woman by the name of Sarani Barak. Wow, those are so many community <laughs> things to unpack. I don't know where to start. Oh my gosh. Wait, I forgot I to mention that I also volunteer for Black Girls Code, but that's okay. We could talk about that later. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna file this under hashtag badass. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Just keep it simple. I like it. Well well let's take it one at a time. So um or actually as an aggregate to start. So you you volunteer a lot in the community space while also doing a full time job. What uh, about that? do you think um, kind of relates back to this conversation about evangelism? Do you feel like these opportunities are are helping you level up and be somebody that could maybe be an evangelist or do you interact with people who are evangelists and that's what brought this to mind? I I mean, I interact with people that a lot of developers actually um, and just different, you know, different people within the technology ecosystem. I think it's, I think it, it was that, like my, the mixture of community, technology, and people independently that got me to think, like, you know, what kind of position can I do, you know, or can I look at, can I start looking at that will allow me to merge everything together as opposed to kind of compartmentalizing my life, right, my day? Um, like, how can I do all of this? How can I do my night stuff full time? but still continue to pursue, you know, and grow my career within the security space. So that that's why I tweeted at you, like, you know, how can I be a tech evangelist or what do you have to do? Because it seemed like from what I've heard, you know, with um, obviously your other episodes, it seemed like for me, in my mind, at least, it seemed like the perfect fit. Like, OK, I think this is something that I can do. Well, um, yeah, I think that's a great interesting lead into this discussion because we've been talking about evangelism for a long time uh, and in fact we have kind of I don't know if we have a unified theory of evangelism but we don't the evangelists <laughs> that we see who, who who can be community managers who can be developer advocates can be evangelists let's just kind of lump them together for now have a tendency to of people to be like you said fairly integrated people right they tend to be both technical and have some social intelligence the challenge is um, they don't actually one super hard to find, uh, two don't fit into an org chart, so so it's hard to pat, put them on a career path. And so, in fact, they're so hard to find that Amy coined the term, Amy, unicorns. Unicorns. <laughs> now, in Silicon, Valley, it's, it's, in Silicon Valley, a unicorn is is a company that's that's worth a lot of money. But in this podcast, a unicorn is somebody who who is so hard to find. They're a techie who can talk and relate to people who who. I mean, it. it uh, who is? Uh, I don't know. Is that is that a good description, Amy? Or where, how would you put, describe a unicorn? I think that's that's very well done, and and it is that rare uh, mix, and they seem to flow e- seamlessly between those two skills. So um, they are as fluent technically as they are in in everyday human language. 
And the, the challenge is in a big company, which is where the, the three of us started or, or came from when we started this podcast, in a big company, they come – they are not a job. That's not a job role, right? You can't, can't really find – charts. So some of them come from pre-sales engineers. Some of them come from professional services. Some of them come from kind of technical marketing. Others of them come straight from marketing, marketing. Some of them come from support. So they come from all these different roles and all these different uh, uh, silos in the org, but they all come because they are somehow drawn to, to connecting and this whole social media thing that's been going on for 10 years, or if you include blogging, 20 years. And um, and the challenge is uh, well, let's not get to the challenges yet. But that's that's where we find them. And and the the, the other well, one of the challenges of, of becoming a, an evangelist is often you have to change roles to become one. Well, well and, ooh, ooh, I've got a something. Oh, I'm not going to fight her. <laughs> <laughs> I know better. Well, <laughs> um, the the thing that just keeps exploding in my mind because I'm definitely a little bit of the naysayer here, where I think tech evangelism is dead. And, and I'm saying it very specifically. I don't think the skill set is dead. I don't think unicorns are dead. I don't think that the necessity of the role, and I actually think Christina described it far more eloquently than I've heard most people address it with a good set of parameters, is, is the titling of it. Because I think as it's constructed in the org chart, it is, number one, a little bit dead end. And number two, it is something people often get into and then want to get back out of. Um, whereas if you put it in a different context and you mention a couple other titles that do similar functions like a developer advocate, um, that think about the word evangelist versus advocate. Completely different perspective, right? Evangelist is someone who's sort of up in a pulpit talking down. And right. an advocate is someone who's by your side. Same thing with a community manager or community-laden role. And I'm going to throw one more firecracker in here, <laughs> which is I think there are some gender differences between these roles. So if you'll notice, I think there are, if not a an equal number or it's a more equal footing, developer advocacy, men and women, I think you see evangelism, almost all men, and I think you see community, a lot of women. And I'm wondering what that means. I want to check your numbers. Uh, but <laughs> no, from, from spending time at O'Reilly events, I found that there is it's not as gendered as you might expect. I'm by no means saying that, yeah, this is the perfect job that equals out gender uh, balance well, in technology. Well, it may be on the hardware side. To be, to be fair, maybe sure. on the infrastructure hardware side of the technology house. So yeah. it might be different in security. It might be different in software. It might be different in other God, places. Security is pretty much a sausage fest, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was just at RSA. I was there. I saw. <laughs> no, it's I just like, it, with him. <laughs> I mean, it's like the infrastructure stuff. It's all – there's a bunch of dudes there. I mean, there was, it, was, it was mixed, but, we, you know, the – Good companies like where I'm at today, right? Like Morgan, I don't think they look at things like that. I mean, I think a lot of times when I, even when I thought about, okay, like advocacy or evangelism type of work, I never pictured that that would even be possible at a, you know, big organization, right? I, 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 I almost assumed I'm like, well, I would have to kind of, you know, when I get to that point, I would have to look elsewhere, maybe a smaller organization or a more agile organization, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's something that's even considered because of 
in these big organizations because with technology and like social media and all of this stuff moving so quickly, I think a lot of these like bigger companies are kind of falling behind a little bit because they're not understanding. And of course, millennials, you know, are taking over the world. So <laughs> I'm not a millennial. So you know. I, I've got to comment on a few things that come up. I think you, you make a great point and it, it's so cool to hear your perspective, Christina, on it. Um, but I, I think there's hope for whether you, we can differentiate evangelism and advocacy. And I actually strongly agree with Amy that the tone is very different. And we talked about this with Ashley McNamara on a past episode about the difference between those roles. I like the way advocacy sounds, but I'm a developer advocate that I no longer care if somebody calls me an evangelist either, because basically they're just saying like, that's a term that identifies that I'm a nerd that's allowed to talk to people. And that's a different role. I like that. I'm a nerd that's allowed to talk to people. I'm, it's not just that I'm capable of talking. I'm allowed to because in large organizations, you do need blessings. And, yes. um, and what's interesting on the large company front is I see developer advocacy and evangelist roles popping up in every interesting group at my company right now, which is a massive organization. And then inside large organizations from the storage infrastructure world that Amy's still in uh, to Walmart with their one ops DevOpsy thing that they're doing. I know that they have open recs for developer advocates or evangelists around that because companies are seeing that there is value to having a coherent technical story around your open source strategy. So I don't think it's easy to find. I certainly don't think it's something that people are going to just advertise. It's like, yes, we obviously need this. You kind of have to fight for it right now, but it's, it's coming back. I, it's coming up. I mean, um, advocacy and evangelism and the ambiguous space that is clearly between modern day marketing needs and what marketing is delivering right now. But are they looking at it as more marketing position? I mean, like, it's interesting that you say, like, you have to fight for it because that was, you know, initially why I tweeted, because I'm like, well, what does that, you know, what does that really mean? Does that mean that I have to pitch? Like, if I were interested, well, I am interested eventually in, in, in moving into that type of advocacy or evangelism, whatever you want to call it, but um, maybe more like advocacy, like, would I have to pitch myself that way? Like, say, you know, hey, these are my skills. This is my experience. This is my background. I think I would be perfect as an advocate in your, you know, for your organization. Mm -hmm. Or, like, what would be the correct approach, I guess? That's because I've, I've heard the podcast and I've heard the different, like, perspectives. But my thing is, like, okay, how do you position yourself to be kind of considered um, for these type of you know, roles or situations, even if they don't call it that, they could call it something else. Well, but basically think, be a nerd that is allowed to speak to people. <laughs> well, I think some of it, I, I love that actually working definition tremendously. And and I'm thinking too, Christina, about, you know, in a large organization and in both security and a finance, those are, you kind of at the trifecta of conservatism. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think a lot of it is, um, being the pioneer who pitches it and calls it whatever is most palatable to that organization and, and planting the seed. So you, it, it's like someone has to, someone has to be the first. And, and I think that is the hardest part because I don't disagree with you, Matt, which is shocking that, that things <laughs> pop up once people see success. So it can happen in a large organization once success bears it out and people can see the benefit of empowering an authentic voice 
instead of the classic, a strategy even 10 years ago, and I'm sure we all would laugh at this, but it, it was normal then, would be to go hire a freelance tech writer who may or may not re- know that space, who may, you know, you would you would go job this out because you wouldn't necessarily have endless technical resources that could write. That would be crazy. How could a technical resource write in plain marketing language? They wouldn't know the market message. right? Yeah. And, and, and so you'd go hire it out. And, and now people understand that and perhaps it is a millennial revolution or perhaps perhaps the millennials broke this wall down for the rest of us, yes. that it is possible to be technical and communicative at the same time. Um, it is still rare and a beautiful thing when people do it well, but people have a tendency to self-identify. So that's what you're doing, Christina, and saying eventually this is something I would like to do. Here's the value proposition. I think it's going to be a matter of pitching it using the language they can hear. Okay, two things. Mm. One, if I hear millennials one more time, I'm going to rename our podcast to the, <laughs> the Gray Geek Whispers. <laughs> no, I'm not going to judge your logo. Awesome. Yeah. It's going to have, you know, different types of spectacles uh, <laughs> ready. I'm not the one with the cat. I'm just saying. That's, that's just crazy cat guy thing that's nothing to do with age um number two i I just want to address directly the comments about marketing that i think there truly is value in understanding how marketing rolls up their value into an organization since awareness is such a crucial part of being a valuable advocate evangelist type it's it's kind of your your best metric of success if you will that you're getting this audience acquisition um, but then the question is it actually doesn't matter if it's marketing I report into an engineering organization I write code I'm part of the sprints of my peers that said uh, 50% of each of my sprint has to do with external contribution of content and that's just a way that I've been able to pitch it as like I'm technical I'm part of the team and a content creator um, and that works for me and our organization and our needs. I've heard wildly different ways of approaching this where evangelists, you know, have no deliverables that are technical. They just need to be aware of it. So it's it's I think there's a lot of strength in understanding marketing because it is the biggest gap in our industry right now is technical marketing and coming out of an engineering organization. That said, I've seen it report into hiring because your ad- advocacy or evangelism can lead to really great inbound leads for, for hiring, which is yeah, very mm-hmm. expensive lately. What do you think all those GE ads on TV are about, right? Right. That's yeah. all about well, I'm, I'm going to ask the answer, Christy. I'm going to answer Christina's questions, which you guys both did not. So, um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd, I'd, yeah, I'm right. pretty sure I had something to say. No, the um, so so Christina, the what 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 we've seen and what I've seen in multiple industries is you get the job by kind of auditioning for it in uh, side projects or or in your day job. Now, uh, you know, Amy was more kind of well, how do you create an evangelist role inside an organization. And, and, but, uh, in terms of if they've identified a role and are looking for somebody, what we've seen over and over again is people go out and either participate in open source in the enterprise, non-open source world, they go off and make blogs or they start user groups or they, you know, start meetups. And it's these people who are organizers or connectors or writers or contributors that I think end up with the role. So, uh, that would be my answer. To you know, how do you how do you start to either prepare yourself or show yourself that sh- show somebody that you can do this is by going out and do it. Now, part of that, of course, obviously, is your is your community manager 
and community outreach role that you're doing, uh, you know, for the, for the various things you're doing, your organizations you're associated with. Um, but, but again, that's, uh, I'm just going to repeat myself and some, by summing up and saying <laughs> that, uh, that's the way I see, I see people going out and, and just doing stuff. Start, it used to be starting blogs. Now there's a few other things. I don't know, uh, Amy and Matt, am I, am I off base on that? That's kind of how you stretch those muscles. That makes a lot of sense. I feel like, I feel like looking at it from, I guess, you know, coming from the financial world, but, um, being kind of plugged in and within the New York tech scene, right. And, uh, visiting all of these startups and obviously culture is different. Things are different. And I feel like what they value is extremely different. Mm. So I'm almost feeling like, would this be, I guess, more specific to a company that's providing like, you know, a service, right. Or like selling, selling hardware, selling software, selling a platform as a service, a cloud service provider, like, because they're selling technology as opposed to a bank, um, or maybe like, you know, behind the scenes within finance, you're not really customer facing and they're not really selling. I mean, they have like a division that, that, that sells, you know, money stuff or whatever, but your division is really not. So it's not really like that valuable. So like, what do you think about that? Is that something that like, yeah, that's kind of what Amy, I think was trying to address. There's kind of, it's kind of bifurcated maybe in that. Yeah. Most of the people we're talking about are ad vendors. If you are talking about something like a bank, you have to think like a business, you know, what is the business purpose of what you're suggesting or what this role, there are people at a bank who go to conferences and talk about security in general and that sort of thing. And that's kind of an industry facing role. There are, you know, all banks are not technology companies and they have uh, APIs and things like that. And they have ecosystems. I'm sure that there are developer advocates in those sort of roles that are, that are facing partners and developers and things like that. And then there finally are probably community people in the community outreach kind of marketing pieces and I'm sure they're they're doing that now. But I'm not in the finance industry, so I just made those three those three categories up. But. Yeah. No, and and let's we don't not, let a lack of knowledge stop us at any time. <laughs> <laughs> well, just explain you. Just explain you. Uh, to bring it um, back to some colloquial knowledge. Um, just also let's think back to where developer advocacy came from. I, I don't know evangelism as well per se, but. Um, when it comes to advocacy, it's a term that came out of Google. But what Google means when they say a developer advocate, it's actually more like a post-sales engineer where you're assigned as part of a team um, that is collaborating on code with a very large company that is paying Google. And then you also have a bit of a public presence around what you're building. Um, but that was like a really interesting situation where I had developer advocate in my title and I was asked if I wanted a job. I'm like, this just looks like a post sales engineer that writes JavaScript. I don't do that at all. (laughs) Um, so yeah, you're, you're going to be left with some ambiguity for sure. Um, but I think more interestingly for you is to think about what size company you're interested in, um, and whether they have a team of people that you're going to collaborate with, or you're expected to be the single person that gets this and gets on the pulpit and does the events and does something related to recruiting or awareness. Yeah, I think, yeah, see, and one of the things like I've thought about it and I know I'm probably just making this up from all of the like episodes that I've heard, right. Or listened to. Uh, But I almost feel like 
I I almost I want it a little bit compartmentalized. So I want I want percentages, right? Like I want to be able to write code fifty percent of the time or build on the company's products and or solutions, you know, fifty, sixty percent of the time, whatever. And then kind of do the um outreach twenty percent of the time and then maybe I don't know, build like a throwaway project another percentage of the time. So Am I kind of thinking about a unicorn position? <laughs> well, I think that, makes sense. <laughs> that was genius. Um, I think that the, I think that, uh, you know, I'm, my title's director of influence marketing. What kind of crazy is that? And at the same time, now I hear it pop up all over the place, right? People talk about influencers and influence, like it's a foregone conclusion. So I, I think you're not crazy. I think that is possible. And to Matt's point, I, I have also heard of people across the spectrum, and it really depends on the organization of, of what that business, what the drivers are and what the expectations are. Sometimes they want to have one of their own who is in a working functional position, a, a true developer position to go out and advocate. And sometimes they want someone to have a functional knowledge of that, but really the full-time job is advocacy, um, if that makes sense. Right. So okay. the, and especially with kind of the the other the other work that you do, you are, I mean, you're you're logging your ten thousand hours really really quickly because you're doing it across all these different spectrums. Exactly. So I, I, I think it's so. possible. Meaning, meaning, I think you you come with the credibility to be able to say this is what I want to do and this is why and this is the value it brings. And my my thing is always if somebody isn't if a company isn't ready to see that value then that's not that right match. But it's not you that's crazy. I mean, you're defining, you're defining a job that's, um, it, it, I think it's possible and it's, it's, it's clear and it, it makes clear where your slider bar is in terms of amount of time you want to be kind of outside and the amount of time you want to be in a seat coding and keeping your skills sharp. Right. Like I still want to produce, right? Yeah. Like I don't, right. I still want to stay technical. Um, it's it's a challenge for these roles, Christina, is that yeah. this is how to stay technical. I think it's also interesting that at every place I've seen, uh, the role is a little bit different. So there are – and that causes problems, right? If you think the role is going around speaking at conferences and meetups, but they think the role is coding up API examples and uh, writing blog posts, you know, that can be a big <laughs> – that can be a big mismatch. Huge. And that's common. Uh, yeah. That's common. Like Which, there, there are both really? kinds out there, and unfortunately, you have to just you have to hash it out one in. at a time. Uh, and that's yeah. okay, though, because you have uh, a seat at the table for whatever kind of developer advocacy role you want. Like just to put it out there, I I would say just based on what you've been doing, um, you should feel confident doing so. And I'd say it to other listeners that if they're trying to figure out how to prepare themselves or something like that, get deep on a technology. And then spend all your extra energy building community. And that's that's a really strong resume. I was going to say, do what Christina's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amy, any uh, any last questions that you'd like to ask Christina while we uh, begin to wrap up this fantastic conversation? Uh, well, you know, I've got to ask my favorite question of um, you do keep so many plates spinning in the air. And uh, since we're telling people to, to be more like Christina... Um, forget be more like Mike. Um, what, 
what is one thing that you would advocate to someone never to do again? What's a mistake you've made or a challenge you would have handled differently? What's, what is the, your don't ever do this again when you're trying to do everything and uh, keep moving forward? I think don't rush into, don't rush into something like a new job um, because you're trying to get out of an, an old one. Right. So kind of really like regardless of how desperate you are or how unhappy you are, like really think about the step, which it sounds a little bit counterproductive because a lot of people are like, take a, take a risk, take a chance. But I feel like if you don't know what you want and you are unhappy in your, you know, at your current position or in your current role and you move into something else because of whatever the, the brand of the company or the name of the company, or because the title is sexy, uh, you're just going to move your unhappiness from one, one seat to the next. Right. So I think it's, it's important to take a step back and really figure out what is it that you want? What is a non-negotiable and then jump. Right. Oh, I really like that. Love I really that. like that. Yeah. I like that phrase of don't, you're just going to move your unhappiness from one seat to the other. That's like the mic drop moment. I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> <laughs> I've done this before. So, you know, I've, I've, you know, moved from different seats like, like two or three times. And then I'm like, why am I still unhappy? Why am I burnt out? You know? And then I realized that it's that I'm looking I'm looking for the wrong things and I'm not really being purposeful. Like I'm just trying to run, like run from one thing, run one, run from one situation to the next without really saying, is this something that I would want to do? Is this a position that I really like? Or at least 90% of the time, or am I feeling stuck because of responsibilities and because family and um, is it just the best decision for my career? So, you know, I listen to my brain a lot and not necessarily my heart. So I think you have to kind of really be honest with yourself. Wow. Well, I love this other thing you brought out there, too, of um, because the question was sort of couched and how do you how do you keep all those plates spinning? And what an important thing to say, you will drain your energy if you just take that unhappiness and move it around and, and you won't have the energy for those other things that do feed you. Um, that's a really important observation, I think. At all, at all. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I, I do stay involved in all of these like, you know, activities and volunteer and open source. And, um, something that I'm really proud of is that our initiative actually created the women of color in tech, uh, stock photos. So, um, Mm -hmm. you've created this initiative. It is so cool. I don't know if everybody knows about that. It is so awesome. I've been watching you tweet about that. So if un, unpaid advocacy here, if you're not following Christina, you absolutely should. She always is talking about cool stuff. So sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, like, that's one thing that like, I'm really proud of. And I think that because of that, like, you know, it's funny, because I was on a panel at Google, uh, Women Tech Makers Summit last Saturday. And um, uh, an audience you know, question came in and, and she was like, well, why, you know, how do you keep yourself like not fulfilled, but like energized and able to, to do everything you do. Right. With like a, a, a extra, extraordinary full plate, right. Like extraordinary <laughs> plate. Right. And I'm like, well, you know what it is? I realized, and I, I, I kind of answered the question without really thinking about it. And then it took me 
it pushed me back a little bit. Like I was a little bit taken aback by my answer. And what I told her uh, verbatim was um, my day job doesn't give me purpose, but my night community stuff gives me purpose. And when I heard myself say it, I was like, oh, my gosh, like not like, oh, my God, I'm going to get in trouble. But oh, my God, (laughs) this is what I've been like. I've been asking myself, you know, all these years, not years, maybe like the past two years. Like, what are you doing? What what's going on? Why are you feeling this way? Um, And that was my answer. Right. Wow. So I have to do my evening stuff. Like I have to. Like if I stop, someone's like, take a break, take a break. You need a break. You do so much. I'm like, I can't. And, you know, I, I use the term die, but just, you know, I felt like if I stopped doing all of this, I would not feel purposeful and I would not feel like valuable if, you know, if that makes sense. So, um, so yeah, that's how I juggle and Red Bull. So if Red Bull wants to be a sponsorship, <laughs> Red Bull is my thing. Amazing. Well, with, with that, let, let's, uh, let's make sure people know how to find you. Could you tell people where to find you online in, in case they have a role that fits what you're after <laughs> so yes i'm always on the twitters um and my handle is at divine techie with a y girl so d-i-v-i-n-e-t-e-c-h-y girl and i'm um, everywhere else i mean linkedin you can find me everywhere that's so perfect thank you i mean we didn't get a clear answer on what an evangelist is or how to get it per se but wow i feel so much more informed on uh, your story and we're really thank you for sharing it i'm sure a lot of people will connect with it Um, with that if you have other ideas on what you're trying to achieve in your career don't be shy about tweeting us you will certainly be our next guest so thank you so much christina and fellow whisperers we're over and out one more thing before we finish up this episode, the Geek Whispers are hitting the road again. We'll be at the Silicon Valley VMUG on April 12th for an all-day session of career consultation. Drop by to test your org chart IQ, discuss influencer marketing, dig into influencer strategies, or sit down for a session of metrics therapy. All of the above come with a complimentary banter with the Geek Whispers, John Troyer, Amy Lewis, and myself. So if you're interested in spending some time with us at this conference or the next, be sure to send us an email at events at geekwhispers.com. See you soon. You've been listening to the Geek Whispers. Tune in on iTunes or Stitcher for regular stories of technology careers, cultures, and lives. Share it with a friend or invite us to an event through our website, geek-whispers.com. Find us on Twitter at geek underscore whispers. Jay Troyer, MJ Brender, and Comms Ninja. Thanks for listening. Oops, I hit, I hit, I hit hello. 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 Hi. Hey. We almost went full singing. Sometimes we do that. Yeah. (laughs) Is it me? It's not good singing. No, it's, it's pretty uh, lackluster. (laughs) See, I was going with Lionel Richie when you, that hello more sounded like you were leading into, is it me you're looking for?
Oh yeah, that's what I intended, and I, I just switched it up on you. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the call. So thoughts, anyone? Sorry. Oh, I love that. I actually, I really like how you pivoted that into something like the parlay. Mostly just like the word parlay. So (laughs) 